This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Thursday, December 7th, 2023. And before we dive into today's news, I thought I would just let you all know that I will be out of town December 7th through the 12th on important business down in Alabama. So if you guys are missing your news brief, that's why. But I will be backing at it next week on Wednesday, so stay tuned. Our Fight Laugh Feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21-year Belvini, no ice. We don't water down our scotch. Why should we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions over to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Every quarter we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will include cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout our glossy pages, and more. Sign up today. That's at FightLaughFeast.com. FightLaughFeast.com. Now we get to the news and we start off with Joe Biden. Joe Biden raises the specter of American troops having to fight Russians in Europe if Congress stands by and allows Ukraine to fall. President Joe Biden on Wednesday warned that American troops could have to fight Russian forces if Congress prevents further aid being sent to Ukraine. He demanded that lawmakers approve his request for tens of billions in military and economic assistance. Republicans have said they are not willing to countenance another major package of aid unless the administration takes action on the southern border. But Biden said Republicans were handing Russian President Vladimir Putin a gift, saying this cannot wait. Congress needs to pass supplemental funding for Ukraine before they break for the holiday recess. Simple as that, frankly, end quote. You know, for the better part of two years, the brave people of Ukraine have denied Russia a victory on the battlefield. They've defeated Vladimir Putin's ambition to dominate Ukraine. And the people of the United States can and should take pride, they should take pride, that we've enabled Ukraine's success <clears throat> thanks to the steady supply of weapons and ammunition. We provided them together with our partners and our allies. I just did a meeting with the G7, which was one of the issues we discussed. All of the European leaders, we are prepared to stay with us, stay with Ukraine. And our European friends are as well. Who in the United States is prepared to walk away from that? I tell you, I'm not prepared to walk away. And I don't think the American people are either. If Putin takes Ukraine, he won't stop there. It's important to see the long run here. He's going to keep going. He's made that pretty clear. If Putin attacks a NATO ally, if he keeps going, and then he attacks a NATO ally, well, we've committed as a NATO member that we defend every inch of NATO territory. Then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today. American troops fighting Russian troops. American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. Make no mistake, today's vote's going to be long remembered. And history's going to judge harshly those who turn their back on freedom's cause. We can't let Putin win. Say it again, we can't let Putin win. He accused Republicans of holding aid hostage over the border and of being willing to kneecap Ukrainian forces on the battlefield. But he hinted that he was ready to do a deal with Republicans, even if they would have to accept that they were not going to get everything they wanted. Biden's speech came soon after he held a video call with leaders of the group of seven advanced democracies who have all backed Ukraine and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Biden has asked Congress for more than $100 billion to fund conflicts in Ukraine and Israel, as well 
well as other matters of national security. However, Republicans on Capitol Hill have resisted the request, some insisting that Biden first take measures to secure the nation's southern border. The White House has warned repeatedly of the consequences of failing to back Ukraine. In a blunt letter sent to Congress on Monday, Office of Management and Budget Director Shalanda Young wrote, quote, We are out of money to support Ukraine in this fight. This isn't a next-year problem. The time to help a democratic Ukraine fight against Russian aggression is right now. However, Republican leaders quickly dug in. Speaker Mike Johnson promised there would be no funding for Ukraine without transformative border security provisions. And speaking of U.S. troops, U.S. troops suing the government for billions in back pay over COVID vaccine mandates. Who could have seen this coming? In a groundbreaking development, three lawsuits with the potential for a class action suit are being filed on behalf of former United States service members. The service members represented by attorneys Dale Saran, Andy Meyer, and Brandon Johnson allege they were unjustly discharged or prevented from drilling, causing significant financial loss as a result of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate policies. According to Breibert, the lawsuits which are currently in the U.S. Court of Federal Claims could involve back pay claims totaling billions of dollars. Saran, a retired Marine, emphasized the massive scale of the compensation, telling Breibert it's worth billions. That's just flat out. That's what it is in back pay. It's billions of dollars. This statement underscores the potential magnitude of the lawsuit's financial implications for the Department of Defense. The court, with its roots in the Reconstruction era, is known for handling cases Cases of illegal discharge and pay-related grievances in the military. Saran explained its unique role, saying that the court of claims is where service members can go when they have a claim and say, quote, hey, I was illegally discharged or the military did something to impede my pay, end quote. According to Breibert, the lawsuits allege that 80,000 to 100,000 service members, including both active duty personnel and reservists, were impacted by the Biden administration's actions. Saran detailed the lack of due process in the cases, noting that, quote, they were basically without the benefit of any due process. No boards were held. They didn't hold any administrative separation boards. They didn't hold any hearings. They didn't do any federal recognition boards. None of the administrative or judicial procedures were used. They just flat out did it, end quote. One notable case involves former Coast Guard member Zach Lowish, who was commended by President Joe Biden for his heroics during Hurricane Ian, but faced discharge for not complying with a vaccine mandate, according to Breibert. The claims also involve the repayment of enlistment bonuses, adding to the financial stakes, Saran stated, quote, not only did they throw them out unceremoniously and wrongfully, now they're without a job instantly, no separation pay, none of that. And instead, they're standing out in the cold. And worse yet, here comes the government. Here comes the debt collectors. Now you owe us money, end quote. Saran drew parallels between the current situation with the service members who were negatively impacted by the COVID-19 vaccine mandate policies and his past experience defending service members who refused the anthrax vaccine in the late 1990s. Quote, I did some work on the lawsuit of Doe versus Rumfeld that shut down the anthrax vaccine, he said. And so here we are, the second go around 15 years in, and we're back fighting at the mass vaccination of unlicensed vaccines like the government didn't learn last time, end quote. According to Saran, those interested in more information about the current lawsuits can learn more at militarybackpay.com. The ongoing legal battle with cases like Brasson versus USA, Batella versus USA, and Harkins versus USA marks a significant moment in military legal history, raising questions about due process, financial responsibility, and the broader implications for the rights of U.S. service members. 
Elsewhere, Israel constructs large pumps to flood Hamas terror tunnels with seawater. The Israeli military has assembled several large pumps it could use to flood the Hamas tunnels beneath the Gaza Strip with seawater, driving out terrorists hiding there. This according to the Wall Street Journal. Construction of five large seawater pumps was completed in November, about one mile north of the Al-Shati refugee camp. Each pump is capable of drawing water from the Mediterranean Sea, and can move thousands of cubic meters of water per hour, which would flood the tunnels within weeks, the report said. Israel has not yet committed to the plan, and it is unclear whether it would attempt to flood the tunnels while there are still hostages, including Americans held by Hamas. The Palestinian terror group took some 240 people captive during the October 7th attack on Israel and brought them back to the Gaza Strip. According to the report, Israel has identified about 800 tunnels beneath Gaza that Hamas has used to move fighters, store weapons, and plan terrorists attacks on Israel. However, Israeli officials believe the tunnel network is much larger. By flooding the tunnels over several weeks, Israel would enable Hamas terrorists and potentially hostages to move out, the outlet reported, citing a source familiar with the plan, saying, quote, We are not sure how successful pumping will be since nobody knows the details of the tunnels and the ground around them, the source said. It's impossible to know if that will be effective because we don't know how seawater will drain in tunnels and no one has been in before, end quote. The Wall Street Journal said, an Israel Defense Forces official declined to comment on the flooding plan but said the IDF is operating to dismantle Hamas's terror capabilities in various ways using different military and technological tools, end quote. U.S. officials were informed of the plan last month, the Wall Street Journal reported, but the U.S. does not know how close Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government is to executing the plan. Israel has committed to continuing its war until Hamas is eradicated in Gaza. Israeli military said it is launched its 10,000th airstrike against the terror group in the Gaza Strip late on Sunday. Moving on, Dem witnesses who cannot define what a woman is says women should, quote, learn to lose gracefully against trans athletes. Head of the National Women's you heard that right. National Women's Law Center, Fatima Goss Graves, encouraged women who are forced to compete against men in women's sports to, quote, lose gracefully. This she sees as the preferable alternative to keeping men out of women's sports at the scholastic level altogether. She made these remarks at a hearing over Title IX in the U.S. House, saying, quote, The reality is that like their peers, trans girls and women, they sometimes lose at sports, and sometimes they win. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and success to really good resources and facilities. Goss Graves said, Goss Graves is married to Matthew Graves, a key prosecutor in the January 6 cases. She also co-founded Times Up to hold high-profile men accountable for sexual misconduct. She did not address the problems that arise when boys shower in girls' locker rooms and expose themselves or when girls miss out on opportunities because men have taken their places in the winner's circle. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully, and often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully, um, 
they learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. So I feel compelled to just end my testimony with a few ideas for the committee to pursue if it really wants to work on this issue. We could make it safer for student athletes who report harassment and sexual misconduct. We could address resource dis- Goss Graves also does not know what a woman is, or at least she refused to define the term when asked. She was asked back in July of 2022 by Rep. Andrew Clyde. Since you are the president of the National Women's Law Center, I was hoping that you could define what a woman is for us in this committee hearing. Well, as the president of the National Women's Law Center, you can imagine I say woman a lot uh, in my day job. Okay, so Uh, I'm just asking for the definition. I'm... So and and so, what I'll tell you is, I am a woman. That's how I identify. Okay. But I wonder, however, if in part the reason that you're asking a question is that you're trying to suggest that people. I am simply asking the question, and I simply want an answer. And so, I, I think it's actually really important to be very clear here that there are people who identify as non-binary, I think about 5% of young people. We're not going to go there. I was hoping maybe you would, I was hoping that maybe you would say something that maybe we learned in um, high school biology that has to do with X and Y chromosomes, but uh, which define male and female, but I guess we're not going to get there. The 2022 hearing was to consider changes proposed by the Department of Education to Title IX of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The change would prevent schools from having women's or girls-only sports. It would bring a new understanding and interpretation of Title IX, removing protections for women and girls and changing that to protection against discrimination for gender identity as a protected class. Under those provisions, the male student's stated gender identity would give him the standing to shower with girls and use other facilities that were previously women only. On that cheery note, we move on. Automakers seek to remove AM radio from all new models. As vehicles become more and more complex, many manufacturers have begun doing away with AM radios, citing concerns that the proximity of electrical components could potentially negatively interact with signals from shortwave broadcasts. While it could be argued that the AM radio one day going the way of the dashboard tape deck was inevitable, the fact that many Americans still tune in and in some cases rely on the technology has led to pushback against the companies attempting to omit it from new cars. In May, Senators Ted Cruz of Texas and Ed Markey of Massachusetts joined a bipartisan group of their colleagues in the House to introduce the AM for Every Vehicle Act, which, if passed, will direct the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to require manufacturers to ensure AM radio is included free of charge in every model for the foreseeable future. According to a press release that announced the bill in May, eight of the world's 20 leading car makers, BMW, Ford, Mazda, Polestar, Rivian, Tesla, Volkswagen, and Volvo, have done away with am radio in their vehicles quote quote i would think that if elon musk has enough money to buy twitter and send rockets to space he can afford to include am radio in his tesla that was new jersey rep josh gottheimer who lamented instead elon musk and tesla and other car manufacturers are putting public safety and emergency response at risk end quote while many of the bill's proponents cited the use of am radio for emergency alerts others pointed out that despite its archaic reputation it is still an integral part of many people's technology arsenal. Arkansas Rep. Bruce Westerman, for example, said that his constituents rely on AM broadcast radio for breaking news and entertainment as they make their daily commutes, especially in rural areas where constituents spend a lot of time in their vehicles. 
As Spectrum News covered, a report from the Center for Automotive Research found that the electromagnetic interference generated by EVs can make them the AM signals fuzzy and unlistenable. And while there is a workaround, it may cost automakers an estimated $3.8 billion over the next seven years. And that is your news for today. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a pub membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to our next conference in Dallas, Fort Worth, head on over to FightLabFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference next year, or if you want to become a corporate partner of Cross Politic, email me at Garrison at FightLabFeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you all next week. Lord bless.